Hi, and welcome to NickTok, where we discuss today's trending topics with some of the funniest people in the entertainment industry. Now, please stand by for your host, Nikki James. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Nick Talk. I'm your host, Nikki James. And today I have an amazing actor um, on my show. This is Mr. Adam Lazar White. And um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, so wh- why three names? Adam Lazar White. Um, because my mom was one of the early members of the feminist movement in the late 60s when she started in it. And she's a she's a writer. And in the 70s, when me and my brother were born and little boys, and uh, um, she kept her own name, Jane Lazar. And my father is Doug White. Oh, Doug is very like, very, very plain, but but they're cool people. That's very sweet. Okay, so now, um, to kind of introduce you to everybody, um, you're an actor, a writer, a teacher, a voiceover er. I never know how to say that. Voiceover. <laughs> a voiceover er. <laughs> a husband, a father. Um, and then this is what I was telling everybody that I talked to personally before you came on. I was like, Andy's just a really cool guy. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, let's talk about acting first. Okay. So what is it? Um, that got you into acting? Well, um, I was definitely a, uh, like a kid who did a lot of different things when I was in high school uh, but in college. But really, my main two focuses were sports and music. I was mm-hmm. a, like a three-sport athlete in high school, and I was recruited to play football and baseball in college, play football. And I loved, and I was a musician. And then, like, Growing up in New York, I'm not even sure how it happened, but a couple of, unlike growing up in a lot of other places, I think if you grew up in New York or LA, people being actors or studying acting, it isn't the most like unusual thing in the world, right? Like if you grew up in a small town, it would be really unusual. But if you're in New York, like you're gonna know somebody who's like an actor and a dancer and a singer and stuff like that. Um, and these, and I was always like a movie buff and I was a good mimic and I, you know, I like. I like to mess around. I was, you know, tell jokes, tell stories. Um, and these guys were like, you should take this acting class. These two guys that I knew who were actors. And I did. And I had always thought maybe, but I, but I was pretty focused at that time on sports and music and being in school. And, um, but I, I took my first acting class and it was like, you know, I was bit by the bug. Mm-hmm. I think what happened was that it combined a lot of those things for me. Like, being an actor, especially like in class in the theater in New York, it was like you were you were dealing with words, obviously. Like you, you were kind of like a poet and a writer and you were on your feet and you were kind of like a dancer having to take on a character, mm-hmm. take on a body language. It was very much like sports, like when the curtain goes up, that's like when they say play ball. Like there's no like, hold on, I need a minute. Yeah. You know, like like yeah. athletes and actors, uh, performers really of any kind, like. It's go time. Yeah, I thrive <laughs> on that. I think I thrive on that. And so I liked that part of it too. How old were you? I guess I was about 18 or 19. Okay. 
19 maybe, because it was the summer after freshman year. Mm -hmm. I was probably going to be 19. I'm young for my grade. I, I probably was going to turn 19 in September. Okay. And um, yeah. Uh, anyway, I got, I fell in love with it. And then I went back to school and I auditioned for a play and I got the lead and I had never really done it before. And they were like, and my advisor was like, you can't do it. I was like, what do you mean? I can't do it. He's like, you can't be on the football team playing in the jazz band and, mm -hmm. And, and doing your schoolwork, you can't do it. So I wasn't able to do it, but I kind of set my mind at that moment that I was gonna, I was probably gonna try. Yeah. Out of school. And then I did, I went home to New York. And uh, like I said, luckily being in New York, it was very easy to find a great acting class. I studied with a guy named Terry Schreiber and a woman named Gloria Maddox. Um, was actually in a showcase and in class with Ed Norton. Oh, wow. We're in the same studio, Terry Schreiber Studios, one of the legendary teachers. And um, I really fell in love with acting. And um, I, you know, I got an agent quickly off a of showcase. And then I came out to LA and I, I started working and it was just kind of like, you know, the rest is history sort of thing. Nice. Okay. So for the listeners out there, tell us a little bit of the work that you've done. Well, I guess starting from where I just left off, I came mm -hmm. out and a lot of performing, acting, singing, whatever. People say that it's luck. I, it is luck, but a lot of it is timing in particular. Mm -hmm. And I happened to arrive in Hollywood in the mid nineties when all of a sudden there were seven or eight black sitcoms on television instead of one or two. And every single soap opera got a black storyline. And so what do you know? I was, Khadija's boyfriend on Living Single, and I was hey. Holly, Holly Robinson's boyfriend on Hang with Mr. Cooper, and I was on in the house, and in I was on Martin, and uh, so I did a bunch of those shows, mm -hmm. and then myself and Shamar Moore came on Young and the Restless about a month apart, and were added to what was already a, a strong black storyline with Vicky Rowell, mm -hmm. uh, Tanya Lee Williams, and um, uh, and Christoph St. John, who passed away last year and um, mm. tragically. Um, and so it became like this very big black storyline in soap opera. And Shamar and I were like 23, 24, 24, we were 24. I think we were about wow. a month apart. And um, so that was the beginning, the first few years. And then I started doing more um, primetime television. I did like a lot of Shonda Rhimes shows. I was. More recently, I was on like Lethal Weapon and Criminal Minds. And uh, now I, I also, back then I, I was on the Parkers and I did, I was on Wanda Sykes' first show, which was called, uh, I think it was just called Wanda. I think and it was, yeah. It was just called Wanda. Uh -huh. But she has a new show now with Mike Epps uh, on Netflix called The Upshaws. And I'm playing her boyfriend on that bunch of episodes on that and that'll be coming out this year um and i also started doing more movies i did a lot of independent films i started writing too yeah i wrote a couple of tv movies yeah um that won what's called regional emmys um, so so what what were those so there was a company a wonderful guy named jim friedman who wanted this is early like before it was kind of like cool before Shonda Rhimes was out and before, long before Panther and 12 Years a Slave and Empire, he wanted to give African-American writers a chance. 
Um, and he was a TV producer in the Midwest. He started basically a contest for African-American writers. Just each year would have their script adapted. And so I was the lead in the first one. And it was called Just Passing Through. And it, was, it took place in the 60s, uh, right around the March on Washington. Mm. One of those stories were like, I had a brother who was passing for white, which is why it was called Just Passing Through. Oh. Two and one looked more black like me and one looked more white like him and had straight hair played yeah. by an actor named Adam. Also, strangely enough, Adam Gifford or Adam G. He changed his name later to just Adam G because he was mm-hmm. also a singer. He played the other part. And when I got the part, the producer, this guy, Jim, told me that the script really needed a lot of help. And would I rewrite it? You know compensation and credit and stuff like that of course mm-hmm. um, and I was like yeah because I wanted it to be the best it could be so I did that and then because Jim and I had such a great creative collaboration he basically hired me to do the the next two oh, in okay. writing as well and I also starred in the second one so we didn't neither of us thought it was a good idea for me to do three in a row mm-hmm. um, but I did the first two as an actor and I wrote and produced on all three of the first three. Now the second one was called What Angels Fear. And it starred me and a guy named Greg Lauren, mm-hmm. who's no longer an actor, but he's a very famous painter now. Oh. And Ralph Lauren's nephew. Oh, what? <laughs> anyway, so it was Just Passing Through and What Angels Fear. That was those TV movies. And then I started doing a lot of independence. I um, also did Ocean's 13. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I was on Grey's Anatomy and Scandal and yeah. Uh, I was also on uh, what was her other one? Private Practice. Wow. Uh, yeah, you have a big big laundry list of, of all these things. Do you do you think that um you started booking more jobs um as your resume got bigger? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that work begets work, right? Right. In any business. That's right. But I think I was like I said I was kind of lucky in the beginning that I had good timing where I arrived at a moment where there was a need for me in Hollywood that that maybe you could say there wasn't as much before. Yeah. It wasn't that there hadn't been black leading men, but there right. just wasn't as many of them and there wasn't as much work. So guys like obviously Denzel and Wesley Snipes, mm-hmm. but also like in television, like Blair Underwood, like yeah. real trailblazers there there was only Blair Underwood was the only black leading man on television in prime time for yeah years. because you know Denzel went to movies uh right. he had done saying elsewhere in the 80s and um I mean I don't want anybody to get insulted that like looks me up and after I said this because <laughs> probably there was someone else but you know when you think back even to the 90s like that's Eric just was, what you remember uh, though isn't it that's, yeah. that's your experience, yeah. Eric LaSalle was on ER. Mm-hmm. Richard T. Jones, my friend who I did Forgiveness with, which we won the San Diego Black Film Festival with that movie, which I rewrote and helped produce. Um, he was on Judging Amy, but that's the early 2000s already. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and Richard had a great career as a Black man, as a Black leading man, doing the Tyler Perry movies. and Right. Um, but his break, I think, came playing... Angela Bassett's son and, and Larry Fishburne's 
Lawrence Fishburne. It was Larry Fishburne back then in uh, What's Love Got to Do With It in the Tina Turner movie. He was the son. So being, being like when you started back then and, and now you're still in the industry, what do you think is the biggest change? I think that the diversity and not just for black people, like the amount of women that are directing in television now, mm-hmm. like uh, there's been a sea change. It's a totally different landscape. It was, it, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't think that, I think if you talk to women directors, they would tell you it was almost impossible to get a job in the all the way up through the nineties. And now like half the jobs in television are women. And so much so that the DGA is, is the director's guild is like, we're, we're good now, right? <laughs> we've met our quota. <laughs> like, we got it. We've done, you know, they're patting themselves on the back and, mm-hmm. and, and so they should. So you have that. And, and, and as a black person, really Shonda Rhimes was a, game changer in television. She opened mm-hmm. it up for women and for people of color mm-hmm. and for people uh, in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. She had gay characters, openly gay characters on her shows early, long before people were even using that acronym. You know, right. and they were just saying gay characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and shows, uh, those shows really changed the landscape to the point where now in the last five years, six years, you see it in commercials even, which is even more for a long time was like, you didn't see mixed couples in commercials. That's right. And you do now. So I think that that's a huge difference. And for young actors of color um, or of different sexual identity or preference Mm -hmm. or whatever, I think um, it's a much better world for them now. It's not great, it's not perfect, but it's much better. Right. And for women, uh, there's many more roles that are powerful, mm-hmm. more complex. Uh, they're not only um, the girlfriend, the wife, the mom. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a great, that's a great positive message to send to, you know, that, uh, that changes it's occurring. You know, sometimes I think a lot of people get drugged down in negativity and, uh, and there's still positive things out there. There's, there's celebratory moments that we can celebrate. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, um, your writing. So I know that you, uh, we were talking earlier, um, about, uh, the writing room for NCIS New Orleans. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. What what does that look like for you right now? Well, I was very, I felt very, very fortunate that I was contacted and asked to submit um, my samples this year, um, in particular, because it's an incredible opportunity to work on a, on a franchise show like that. Do you still get excited when you get like offers? Of course. Yeah. If you ever stop getting excited, you're not doing it right. You should do something else. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, go ahead. No, I I, uh, I was very lucky, very excited, very thrilled um, to be a part of such a, a powerful television franchise and to learn on a show like that from the veteran writers um, who I'm lucky to work with, the, the showrunners, Jan Nash and Chris Silber and the, um, the executive producer writers, uh, Stephanie Sankupta and uh, Chad uh, 
uh, Gomez Creasy and, um, you know, it's just a, it's an incredibly warm group of people and I'm, I'm learning a lot and I'm, and I'm getting to write on it. Um, but just practically, it was really good this year because we couldn't act for seven or eight months because of COVID. Right. Yep. But writers were working like crazy. Mm. The producers were still buying writing. They were still buying scripts. They were still getting television scripts ready for when, when it was going to be time to shoot again. And so I was very, very fortunate to be working throughout the, uh, throughout the quarantine doing that. And the other job I was doing was what you mentioned before, my voice work. I, I narrate books. So Yeah. Did you write before this? Yeah, I've always written. I actually wrote my first script um, at the end of college. And it okay. took me a year or so to write it. Um, it. I never sold it, but I wrote my first script. Yeah. Um, <sighs> and then for the first 10, 15 years while I was acting in Hollywood, I was always writing. But I really was only writing movie scripts. I wasn't mm. writing television. Okay. Um, and that's another thing, you know, that you asked what's changed. I was kind of the last generation of actors or people in this business that came in in the 90s before cable was a big, you know, before The Sopranos, The Wire, Sex in the City, and Six Feet Under on HBO. Yeah. Those four shows. Yep changed everything where it was like the biggest shows on television in the nineties were network shows, ER, West Wing, Homicide, NYPD Blue. Yeah. And then of course right. the sitcoms, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, Friends and uh, um, Seinfeld and things like that. So once the HBO changed the game, Showtime followed suit. Now you have this whole landscape of cable television. And then right on the heels of that comes streaming. You know, so you have cable basically from say 2000 to 2010, 2012, and then streaming kind of starts 2012, 2013. Um, and so television has really changed. All that to go back to, I started writing more television scripts as well. Tell what we call television pilots. Meaning yeah. a, a first, episode of a new show right um and those are my samples for television so when i if, I, if there's a tv job they get one of my original pilots so acting and writing which if you had to choose which one you would do what like what's your favorite like maybe not choose one in particular but what do you what really which one do you like more yes just, yes <laughs> Okay. I can't. I, can't. I, mean, I I think I I think I get more of a thrill, as you might imagine, when I'm mm. acting because it's like yeah, like playing ball or playing music. It's live and it's happening yeah. right now. Um, but I don't I don't get more joy out of it in the sense that the accomplishment when you finish a script and you've sent it to some people that you trust to read and they give you some notes or some response and then you rewrite it. And you give it to some other people and they're like, this is amazing. This is great or whatever. Um, it's like building a house. You know what I mean? It's a little bit of a longer uh, endeavor. But when you're done, you step back and you look at the house and you're like, I built that house. You know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's something that I've accomplished. Even, yeah. if it, even if it never saw the light of day. Even if you never made the movie or sold the TV show. Right. There's something to 
building something and, and writing has that in it. Gives me great yeah. joy to do that. The other great thing about writing is you get to play all the characters, right? Right. If I'm in a scene between you and me, I'm right. writing the character that I would play. And I'm also writing the- Character the, that I would play. Yeah, yeah. You know, or I'm writing the dad and the son, mm -hmm. or the mom and the daughter, the bad guy and the good guy, the serial killer and the hero. You know, I'm like, there's a-, there's a Takes you of, through probably different um, mental- you know, I read something. So I, I did, I do acting too. Um, not as much as you, but, um, you know, they say every, every character, it's like a new beginning. So it's like, when you're writing, I could just imagine like how you must feel going from one character to another character, you know, especially as an actor, sometimes when I'm really grooving, writing dialogue in particular, I'm just, it's just flowing out, you know, like I'm yeah. the same way that like a, a rapper would freestyle or a singer would improvise and sing along with a melody. I'm, yeah. I'm now in the melody of a character. I'm in the key. I'm in the right mm -hmm. key. I kind of can't go wrong. Yeah, um, you're in the zone. Yeah. And uh, it's a real joy to write in that way. And I also enjoy the collaborative process. Like now I'm writing on a team of writers. Um, it's kind of like that kind of goes back to my team sports days, you know, like I like playing on a team. Nice. Uh, acting is always a team sport. It's, I mean, people do monologues, but mostly you act with another human being and there's, right. there's an exchange mm -hmm. you know, between yeah. you and the other person. That's right. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I remember the first time I walked in to my very first acting class. I was, a, I was a little bit late cause I got lost. I was brand new to LA. And I walked in and they were all babbling something and running from one side of the room to the other. And I was like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? Do you remember the first day of your very first acting class? I think I do. It was with Gloria Maddox at, at, at Terry Schreiber Studios. And she did some led us through some warm up exercises like that, which were like gibberish and vocal exercises right. and um, things that would loosen up your, mm -hmm. your tongue, your lips, the yeah. speaking muscles, um, but also things that would loosen you up emotionally. Right. Um, you know, one of the things they tell you in your very first acting class is, um, as an actor, you have to be willing to be a fool. Mm -hmm. And what they really mean is, if you're going to play the bad guy, you have to be ugly. If you're yep. going to play the town drunk, you have to be a clown. Yep. If you're going to play the, the abusive father or the abused uh, guy who gets beat up, you have to be vulnerable. Like there's vulnerability is a very important part of it, uh, being an actor in a variety of different ways. Mm -hmm. And so those exercises that make you make a fool of yourself, they kind of break the glass of the propriety that most people live in every day. You know, yeah. they're like, I, it doesn't matter what they do. They can be like, I'm a surgeon at Cedars or I deliver garbage. Yeah. They live, you know, they live a certain way. They, they see themselves a certain way. They present themselves in a certain way. And as an actor, you have to break that mold. Yeah. All yeah. But yeah, yeah, my class, she, she also had us, she handed out these dictionaries and she had us lay on our back and put the dictionaries on our bellies. And she was teaching us how to breathe to support as an oh, actor. That's cool age you have to support your voice 
Um, and so she was teaching us how to breathe from what is called your diaphragm, which is really your lower stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, what people would think of as their lower stomach so that you're not just filling up your chest, but you're filling up in the, in your lower lungs. And so yeah. she would have raised the dictionary on our bellies. I remember that. And we did animal exercises. We had to pick an animal. What does that look like? What was that? What was your animal? What did you pick? I think I, it, we, we were working on a character. You had to pick an animal for that character. Okay. And I was very working on Stanley Kowalski from Streetcar Named Desire. Okay. I, um, picked a, a black panther. Uh-huh. And uh, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of roaring. <laughs> it, was more, it was more about his his uh, live movements and oh, so like, no, no. Kind of quiet no, no. quiet danger. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's oh, I was terrified. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you know, I went from I went from doing interviews, so like not really acting, but then like she kind of broke it down for me and she was saying, you know, even when you're interviewing, you're kind of putting on that persona of your, your Nikki James, the interviewer. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm already, I've already been acting. So like, yeah. Well, everybody can... acts every day. That's the thing that, that yeah. they also play in your first acting class. Like you act differently with your grandmother than you do with your girlfriend. Very you true. Act differently with your father than you do with your little brother. Mm-hmm. You act differently with your teacher than you do with your football coach than you do with the guy that you don't like in the lunchroom like from early on in, in life, you, you have different parts of yourself that you put out. Sure, yeah. Um, and we're all more varied human beings than we like to admit in some mm-hmm. kind of, you know? So actors kind of admit it to themselves. Uh-huh. Decide when they're going to use it. That's awesome. I, okay, I, w- I really want to get to this too. So, I mean, okay, first let me say, uh, I, the reason you're so good at all of this acting knowledge is because you do teaching, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I started teaching many years ago. I I was helping a bunch of my peers with auditions. Yeah. I was working a lot and you know, actors always help each other anyway. But I had a number of people who were coming to me and say, Hey, help me with this audition. And uh, a number of them were like, You're really good at this. You know, you should you should start a class. And I was like, I'm busy. Um, I don't have time to start a class. But I started realizing not only that I did have time, Mm. I really liked it. I liked teaching. At a young age, I liked teaching. And also, even when you're doing okay, as I was in this business, you're like a hired gun. As an actor, um, you don't own anything. As a writer, you do. But I wasn't being produced as a writer. I was writing, but I wasn't being produced as a writer. And my daughter was in the womb. And I, there was something about that, about knowing I was going to have a child where I decided I wanted to have something of my own that I owned. And I started the studio. Nice. And uh, it was a good thing that I did it because not only has it become a big part of who I am and not only have I hopefully helped a lot of other actors coming behind me um, and peers um, with their craft, but I think it, I think it, it, you know, like any experience, it, it has become a part of who I am. Right. You know what I mean? Like I am a teacher. Yeah. Now, you get to a certain age and you're like, 
It's not any more of like, I want to be A. It's mm-hmm. not that you can't still have goals and stuff, but there's certain things when once you've done something for 10, 20 years, mm-hmm. like I am that thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that's part of who I am. It has shaped me. It has molded me, you know? Yeah. So, so if people want to be coached by you, where might they find you? So the easiest way is to go to actingtruth.com, okay. which is the website for my studio. Obviously, like all other acting studios and all other theater productions, we have been on hold during COVID in terms of live acting classes. But like a lot of other acting teachers, um, I'm actually more available to more people around the world now because I teach multiple classes on Zoom. Yeah, online. And I also have people that teach for me. Um, And then as well, you can also, which you you can find on actingtruth.com. You don't have, if anybody's writing this down, you have to write anything Mm -hmm. else down. Um, I uploaded 10 short 25 minute video lessons several years ago um, that you can rent or purchase um, at Vimeo on demand, but you can do it through the website, actingtruth.com. And right now it's free. Uh, as for COVID, I just wanted to make them free. Oh, so all you have to do is go there and put in the code act at home and you can watch 10 acting lessons for free. Oh, wow. So what kind of things do you focus on? So there's 10 different concepts mm-hmm. uh, in those lessons. Um, that are part of like, if you were in my, my acting classes and you got my book on acting, which has really only always been a, a available to students, but I'm probably gonna get it published this year. I'm talking to a university press about that. Um, I, uh, I have a, so I have a book, but I took 10 of the concepts and in layperson's language, what those con- concepts are, like if you're not an actor, mm-hmm they answer the questions of how to be specific in a scene. Okay. So who am I? Is your character? Like, what's mm-hmm. the character you're playing? If I'm playing some OG gangster who's caught in prison and helping young guys get off of, uh, get off of their addictions and stop slinging and I've turned over a new leaf, that's a very different guy than if I'm playing a prosecutor in Chicago who's prosecuting guys like that. Yep. It's a very different character. So who am I? is one of the questions and that's okay. who am I talking to? That's the relationship. If I'm talking to a, a, a beautiful on-camera host. Um, that's very different than <laughs> if I'm talking to uh, my dad or my, my grandfather um, or my old English teacher who I haven't seen in 20 years or my child. So who am I talking to? That's gonna change the, the, the theme. Yeah. And then you have other specifics like where am I? If you're having a conversation with a lover in private in your home, that's very different than if you're having that exact same conversation in a cafe. Right. The where, what are the given circumstances? And so the 10 lessons, each one focuses on a concept like that, character, um, the given circumstances, um, behavior, a lot of times people think acting is just doing words, but think about your life. Think about sitting down in the kitchen with your mom. She probably never looks up from what she's doing while she's talking to you. 
She's making a salad. She's salting the steak. She's defrosting this. She's, she's pouring you a glass of white wine. She's pouring herself a glass of white wine. And maybe once every 10 minutes, she looks over and your eyes meet and you guys giggle because that's the moment that she wanted to connect in that way. Yeah. But for the rest of the scene, she's behaving, she's busy. Yeah. And you might be sitting at the table, but even then you might be flipping through a Vogue magazine. Well, not anymore. You'd be on yeah. your but, <laughs> but in the old days, you know what I mean? Like there, there's, there's yeah. something going on, you know, and people yep. do that in, in scenes uh, yeah. or they don't. Right. So behavior is another thing. Um, pathology, even if you're playing like Mother Teresa, mm -hmm. everybody has pathology. It, that is a disease of the mind, right? Pathology. That's what a pathologist is, is someone who studies okay. DNA. So you have to figure out what your character's flaws are. That's really what that's about. Oh, that's interesting. That's, you know? That's really interesting. Yeah, I've never thought about that. Yeah, people are either... The, the great actors, they, they dig into that. Because like, if you're heroic, you're heroic because you overcome your fear, not because you don't have fear. Right. Right. If you're playing an interesting bad guy, you have charm, humor, right, sexuality, all those things that we associate with good character. Yeah. And Jack Nicholson is the bad guy in A Few Good Men, or Gary Oldman is a wild killer in uh, The Professional. You know what I mean? Like. They have humor and they have charm. And so the pathology is the other side, but you don't want to get up only caught up in playing the dark side when you're playing a bad guy and playing a saint when you're playing a good guy. So, right. to, so that's another like concept, a lesson that you would get from one of those lessons. Okay. All right. Well, that, uh, that's really interesting. I, um, I think, you know, when you're so many different actors have different ways that they teach and, and, you know, different things that work for them. And I think, you know, if you're open to listening to everybody, like everyone's different ways, whether you're going to use it or not, it's something that you can pick up on and utilize yeah. in some way, you know? So I think that's really it's like important. learning how to cook. You know what I mean? Yeah. You go eat Italian food. You go eat Cuban food. You go eat yeah. Chinese food. It's not all the same. You're not all the same. And then you go home and you cook what you want to cook and you might cook your mother's roast chicken, but your little secret is that you add curry powder yeah. a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because you really learned to love Indian food when you were living in New York or when you went to Bangladesh or whatever it is. Yeah. Same sort of thing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But a lot of what acting really is about is being really specific to the circumstances and what the writer's giving you and then bringing your humanity and yourself to it. Right. And different techniques on how to get to yourself because we have a lot of guarded places going back to that vulnerability question, like we don't want to be in a rage or we don't want to cry and be sorrowful or we don't want to be ugly in one way or another. Yeah, you have to allow yourself to. You have to get there, yeah. You yeah. have to open those doors. All right, so um, you are narrating an audiobook um, on the murder of MLK. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's called, is it called Murder in Memphis? murder in memphis um and it's um it's really what it really is is kind of like the movie jfk mm -hmm. about the murder of john f kennedy mm -hmm. um, and the warren commission which was put out there as 
the answer in the 60s by the government and the FBI um, of there being a lone killer, Lee Harvey Oswald or JFK. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, the movie JFK kind of shows how that really wasn't possible and um, kind of spins the tale of the conspiracy of all the different forces that were behind the death of JFK. This book does the same thing for Martin Luther King um, where there was a, a patsy in the murder of Martin Luther King, James Earl Ray. Um, and it, it really outlines how it's almost impossible that this guy murdered Martin Luther King on his own. Um, and a lot of people think that J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI during the, the 40s, 50s, 60s mm -hmm. uh, had not only anti-communist and anti-Marxist um, agendas, but anti-civil rights, anti, um, they were against the anti-war effort. They were against agitators that were supposed to be liberal or um, uh, revolutionary. Mm -hmm. uh, and both Robert Kennedy and John Kennedy were on the side of change um, and both of them and Martin Luther King as well as Malcolm X were all killed. Um, and so the book really outlines from a guy named Mark Lane, who is a well-known writer and researcher, um, what he thinks really happened um, or at least asks the questions. I do a lot of narration of books. Um, this is an interesting book and it's kind of an honor to read it. It's really relevant right now, isn't it? It is. It is. The movement that's going on right now. There's a there's a book that I narrated called um, A Most Beautiful Thing. And it's a documentary right now on Amazon Prime and on Peacock about these young black kids who learn to row as a crew team on the west side of Chicago. Um, and we just won an award for the best memoir because it's the memoir of the kid. Um, from Audible, so I'm really proud of that one. Yay! Congratulations. Yeah, I also I also narrated James Baldwin's novel, um, and I narrated the guy who wrote Our Town is a, a playwright named Thornton Wilder, and he wrote a kind of a thriller mystery about a family, and I narrated that. And I did all of this narration, not all of it, but I mean, I did a lot of narration over, during COVID. Mm -hmm. My vocal booth right here. Yeah. <laughs> that's, where, lucky to have, you know. that's what a lot of people start realizing. Like they, he, I've heard so many people that, you know, especially people I invite on my podcast, they're like, Oh, I don't know. I don't like this out of my voice. And I'm like, you'd be surprised how it sounds like just record it and listen to it. And, you know, um, but you really do have an amazing voice. You have a good voice. I think you should do like Disney character. I see you I as like do a Disney character. I see you as like a, a Simba. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, that's what you remind me of. I'd like um, to do like either the, the lion or the saber-toothed tiger. Or, yeah. Or the funny bear, too. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. Maybe they need, it, a funny bear in one of those big cartoon movies. Like Brother Bear? I can't remember which one it was, but that would be fun, too. That and would you know, be fun. The thing, about, the thing about voice work is you can do whatever. You know what I mean? You're kind of set free because you're off the camera, so you don't have to worry about it. Right. 
So I love doing like once I got all my equipment, I just started playing with my voice and I'm like, no, like I started doing yeah. all kinds of different things yeah. just to hear what it sounds like. Yeah. It's great. I mean, even in commercial voiceover, like, you know, I'll do like a, like a deep bar baritone sort of, uh, I don't know, like a whiskey or a car, you know, like Lexus coupe zero to 60 in 4.2 seconds, you know, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, next, the next minute I'll be doing like a local Atlanta, uh, like, uh, you know, commercial, <laughs> like filet of fish for two ninety nine. I'll take three, you know, <laughs> like totally different. I know. Oh, I know. It's so fun. I love voiceover. Um, I actually, um, just writing a children's series and I want to do an audiobook, but, um, I'm not done with all the books yet. And I don't, I don't know if I need to do one book at a time. And then an audiobook, but we'll figure that out. You can attach it, you know, where when when people touch the screen and swipe, your voice comes on. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. You should. Uh, okay, we'll talk Apple, about that. I think Apple Books are the best with that. I think we'll be in touch about that. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Let me ask you some silly questions. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Well, they're not all silly. Some of them are serious, but we'll just I'll start firing them off. Um, if you want to be successful in the industry, what's your advice? One piece. Work hard. If you're talking about acting, study. Get the other stuff, take care of itself. Do you know what I mean? Like your luck, your access, your agency, your ability to meet people. You can always do that part. But if you don't have the chops when you get there, you're not going to be Meryl Streep. You're not going to be Denzel Washington. You're not going to be Daniel Day-Lewis. You're not going to be Emma Stone or Ryan Gosling or whoever it is that you admire, mm -hmm. you know, Will Smith is one of the hardest working men you will ever meet in any industry. You know, mm, I know that's hard. right. Study your craft, you know? Yeah, I, I watch his motivational speeches all the time. What type of acting do you prefer to do and why? I think my favorite, I mean, I like it all. I mean, one of the great things about acting is it's kind of like, you get to do a lot of different things. That's part of the joy of it. But I think if I had to choose, I would say kind of like, kind of like serious drama, realistic drama, you know. Um, Why? Not, Why is that? You like the challenge? What I really love is studying human psychology. And so if it's like the psychology of a love affair, the psychology of a, of a gangster situation as people jockey for power mm -hmm. and, and make moves, it's not that different than political intrigue in the Senate. And that's not that different from a family dynamic, which is what The Godfather or The Sopranos was about. It was more about family than it was about gangsters. Right. Uh, and so those kind of very human exchanges that feel universal and feel real to me are very exciting for me to work on. It's not that I don't want to work on a, a superhero movie. Right. I do. Right. I'd love to. You know what I mean? But I think that what I would find interesting, and if you look at the best actors in those movies, like Christian Bale in Batman or Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, what's mm -hmm. so great about them is the way they bring humanity. Yeah. Yeah. They make it real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, in your opinion, how is filming for TV different than filming for movies? And I don't think I mentioned that you did Young and the Restless for a while. I don't know if we did or not, but... Um, I did briefly when I was talking about me and Shamar and when I got started on mm -hmm. The Young and the Restless. I didn't say The Young and the Restless, actually. I think I probably just was talking about 
Kristoff and Tanya Lee Williams, who played my wife, and Vicki Rowell, who played Kristoff's wife, and Shamar played Kristoff's younger brother. And then mm -hmm. I also had a mistress, Kuna, <laughs> <laughs> who was Miss Puerto Rico. That was a tough assignment. It was terrible. Oh, just um, hard, hard work. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so the question was... Uh, How is filming for TV different than filming for movies? Well, one of the main differences is really simple. It's much faster in TV. You have much less time. So you're shooting a two-hour movie in two months of shooting, maybe a month if you're on a fast independent film. Mm -hmm. You shoot an hour of a television show in a week. Hmm. So the speed means that you do less takes. The camera people in the direction is more of a machine that's kind of rolling and running. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of stepping in and being part of the machine for a week or two and then okay. stepping out. Whereas when you're on somebody's film, you know, if, it, if it's somebody's baby, you know what I mean? Somebody's thing. Right. They, take a lot of time and they'll do a lot of takes and they'll discuss the characters. Maybe they'll even rehearse with you. Yeah. And, then, and then you'll try it different ways and you'll do different angles. And the director and the DP might even improvise and be like, you know, it's really cool what's happening with the light right now. Can we move the camera over there? Turn off that light. Let's just put her in the chair. Let's, you know. And yeah. so there's, that's a big difference between film and television. But I think that the speed and the attention to detail in film, it's easier for people to do that because they so have more time. What do you prefer? I think I, I think I prefer having more time, um, but it all depends on the people, you know? And that's the other thing, like, it's really hard to say because you could have an amazing crew and director and acting partners on a TV show and then be on a film that's horrible. Yeah. You know I mean, it's like, it's, it's hard to just kind of say, I prefer film or television. I guess all things being equal, if you had more time in film, mm -hmm. which when you have a budget, you do. When you don't have a budget, you don't, right? right. On yeah. a micro budget film, yeah, it could be even worse. But I would say, I guess, it, I guess in general, you can be a little bit more creative in film. So I would prefer. Okay. So I've heard people say that, um, anyone can be an actor or an actress. Uh, do you believe that um, or, and, or do you think um, it takes a specific personality type to be an actor? I don't think it takes a specific personality type. I don't, I also don't think anybody can do it. Um, I think most people could do it okay. That's like saying, can anybody play basketball? Yes. Mm -hmm. Can anybody play basketball in the NBA? I don't think so. Right. Can most people, if they work really hard at it, play in high school? Most people, maybe not, but a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It depends on your high school. You know what I mean? So like yeah. how I look at it. I think that acting the way as some people that I just mentioned that I really look up to, Denzel, Meryl Streep, Daniel Day-Lewis, Gary Oldman, Lawrence Fishburne, not anybody can act like that. That's like being like Michael Jordan or, or Tom Brady. Right. Right. Um, or playing the guitar like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm -hmm. right? Anybody can play the guitar, but yeah. not everybody can play like Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So the thing about acting that anybody can do, if you can remember the words to a song or to a rap, you can remember the words to a script. 
Yeah. You can relax enough in front of a camera. Yeah. To just be yourself. Right. Listen when the other person's talking. Really listen. And then respond. Even though the lines are already written, respond with the lines. Don't say the lines. Respond to what the person said and how they said it. You're acting. Yep. You might not get an award. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you might not get paid ten thousand dollars a week, dollars a week, or dollars for a movie. But you know. Um, yeah. But I do think that the main answer to that, the real answer to that, is that there's talent and there's craft. Anybody okay. can learn a craft. Anybody can go to an acting class and learn the basic craft of acting. Not everybody is equally talented. You're mm. born with your talents. And uh, in sports, we, we say you can't coach speed. Very nice. That was a, that's very good. Okay, I like fast, it. Very fast, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. I say, how fast are you? The fastest guy I ever knew. He said, I'm faster than anybody behind me. <laughs> true story <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny i don't know why but i just got the image of the the bear like there's a saying where it's like if there's a bear in the woods you don't have to be the fastest runner in your group just right. don't be the slowest that's right that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. all right so um in every in every avenue of work in every occupation um there are pet peeves what is your acting pet peeve um it's probably pretty common um actors are not supposed to give other actors in the scene with them notes so when an actor questions or tells you how to do your part mm -hmm. that's is no good yeah, because you're basically telling the other person that they're not good enough. If you really think that the other person is making a mistake or, yeah. or um, needs help, yeah, there's a protocol, which is you go to the director in private uh, and you say to the director, you know, I really wanted this scene to be really deep yeah. and emotional. And I think Nikki is playing it for laughs. Mm -hmm. and, um, I think we all just need to get on the same page, but I don't want her to know that I said anything to you. And, the, and a good director would say, absolutely. And then the director would come to you and he'd say, Nikki, how do you see the scene? Yeah. And you'd say, oh, well, I think it's really, it's really cute. It's kind of the center of the romantic comedy, kind of the comedy side of it. And he said, and, and, and if he agreed with me, which he might not, right? He might tell me, no, I'm, I'm with Nikki. I think this scene should be funny. But if he didn't, he might say to you, what if I told you I thought it was the most serious scene in the movie? And that this is the base note of the whole movie. This is where we really have to believe that these two people are in love or none of the rest of the jokes will work. Mm. And he should be able, or she should be able to communicate with you. Mm -hmm. Even if it came from me initially, he or she would have to agree with me to then go do that. But yeah. it would not be cool if I said to you on set, you're going to play it that way? Why are you playing it like a joke? You should yeah, it kind of puts you against the other person, doesn't it? It kind of like, it already creates a little bit of tension between the actors. It's not your place. Yeah. Your job. That's the director's job. Interesting. So that's a peeve. It okay. hasn't happened to me a lot. I, I haven't had it happen to me a lot. Mm -hmm. More happens in un or less professional situations. Mm -hmm. Like if you're rehearsing in class, yeah. 
people don't do it professionally. They know. Right. <laughs> Most okay. All right. Um, I have, okay. What else do I have here? Worst experience on set. I haven't had a lot of bad experiences on set. I really haven't. I've been very. Do you, do you have a most embarrassing? Um, <laughs> most embarrassing. Um, I, I think that the most embarrassing wasn't actually on set. It was on stage. And one of the things when you're on stage is that there's no, there's no take two. There's no going back. And oh, no. it's the classic. I, I, I was doing a big play and I went up on my lines. I did not know where I was. I was doing Romeo and Juliet. And oh, that's huge. And I was in the middle of a, 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 a monologue of Mercutio and the guy playing Romeo was the director which is an interesting because of what I just said, because he would have to direct you, even though he was playing Romeo. Yeah. And uh, he was older. He was, he was much older than most people playing Romeo at the time. Wonderful actor, wonderful director named Michael Arabia. And he knew that I forgot where I was and he fed me. He fed me what I needed to get back in place. And most good actors, that's what they'll do for you. You know, they, they know enough about what you need to do and what I need to do and what you need to do and what I need to do to get you back in line to, to you know, they are, they are your lifeline. That would be the most embarrassing. Although I was pretty embarrassed the first time I had to do like an almost nude scene when I was young on The Young and the Restless. Yeah. I was like in a, basically in a jock strap on, oh. on set and the girl who was playing my mistress, she was like in pasties and a thong. <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, and it was, it wasn't that bad because you know we were both in shape and it, it what it's like being in a bathing suit basically. Yeah. Um, it's not the end of the world, but it's weird enough the first time. You know, that it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> and you and had all those people around. Like, yeah, kind of. Okay, okay. I'm here. I'm here. Here we are. It's you and me. We're here together. <laughs> Let's just focus on each other. And you know. Did it make this scene difficult to do? Um, you know, in the end, no. It's more the first 15 minutes, you yeah. know, when you're getting set up. Like once you're doing the scene, you're actually focused. Right. You know, it's kind of like when you're getting booed as an athlete. If you're focused on the play and what you're doing on the field, you're not thinking about the booze. Yeah. Right? The, 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 you know, the audience is thinking about it. Uh, you know, the announcers are thinking about it, but the players are like, I don't hear that. You know? Yeah, yeah. The same uh, All right. Who's who's your most favorite actor and actress that you've ever worked with? And then we're going to go maybe that you haven't worked with. Well, it was definitely a thrill of a lifetime when I did Ocean's 13 and I spent six weeks on Al Pacino's hip. Yeah. Yep. About as good as it got. <laughs> um, I learned so much from him, even when we weren't on camera. Um, he, he was a cool guy. Totally cool. It's kind of strange in like a, like, um, you know, these people that have been so famous for so long, it's like, when's the last time Al went out for a quart of milk? Right. Like, yeah. yeah. They, so they become kind of their own thing. He's a, he's a, he's a very warm guy though. Very oh. generous, warm, brilliant guy. Um, I also, I also 
I, I definitely have had some, some moments on stage with actors where I'm at, it's kind of like playing your best game. Those moments, you know, not necessarily mm -hmm. the most famous actors, but having some of your most famous, your, your, some of your best moments playing. It's like that moment where you, the greatest shot you ever shot, but it was on the playground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And. and so how, how about the actor and actress that maybe you haven't worked with? Oh, wait, wait, we, wait, we have to get to actress. I'm sorry. I rushed you. The actress that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. um, I did a scene on Grey's Anatomy with Katherine Heigl. And I think she's a wonderful actress. And there was just something about the work with her and Shonda Wilson, who had less lines, but she was in the scene with me as well. And the guy who played Karev on that show, I can't remember his name. It was a four person scene. And all three of them were so good. Wow. And, but Katherine Heigl was the main part and I was playing her oncologist. And she was so good and so present. And she was just, she was just really a, a wonderful actress. And it was just a, a one scene, but. She, she wowed you, huh? Yeah, she was really, really good. That's good. Okay, so maybe actor and actress that you haven't worked with that is your favorite that you love to watch on film or that you'd love to work with? Well, I mean, you know, there's the guys that I look up to that I've always wanted to work with. Denzel Washington, Lawrence Fishburne, Robert De Niro, um, Jeff Bridges, Gary Oldman, Daniel Day-Lewis. I'll stop there. Um, wow, that's awesome. You just made me think about every single movie with every word that you said there, every actor. Um, and then um, Meryl Streep <laughs> and Viola Davis. I'll stop there for the women I want to work with. Okay. Um, I mean, there's so many yeah. people, but those are, I think of those people the way you think of Michael Jordan or you think of, you know, yeah. Barishnikov. Right. The greatest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what was the most fun? That Wait, you, you know what? I'd love to work with Mark Ruffalo. Okay. Mark, do you hear that? <laughs> All right. So um, the most fun moment in your acting career. Something that sticks out. That. that was, I, I was kind of like working with Al Pacino, but um, I, I had a lot of fun uh, working on this small movie called, called Forgiveness okay. that I, I worked on with Richard T. Jones and uh, my buddy Eni Clemens produced it um, and Hawk Kalfani directed it. And uh, we won the San Diego Film Festival. We won Martha's Vineyard Festival Prize. We won a number of festivals. And um, acting in that movie in the scenes that I did with Richard, who's also a good friend of mine. Uh, there was a scene where I'm, I, I'm a cop and he's like a minister who's doing something wrong and I'm investigating him. And there are two scenes in particular, one where I come to the church for the first time and I kind of pose as a parishioner. Okay. And so I have like an, a hidden agenda. Mm -hmm. And I had a scene with Richard. Um, and then at the end of the movie, when I've arrested him, 
and uh, he's in the interrogation room. I had a lot of fun in those two scenes with my <laughs> boy Rich. But you know what? When I did the Temptations miniseries, okay, another friend of mine, um, Charles Malik Whitfield, I played a very colorful character that a lot of people know me from, uh, called Flynn, in that miniseries, and he was like the drug dealer that like took the band down, uh, really took David Ruffin down in the in the story, and uh, doing the scenes that I had with Leon who played David Ruffin and uh, Charles Malik Whitfield, who played Otis. Mm-hmm. That was about, that was about as fun as it could get. Oh, that's awesome. Really fun character. And it was also great actors. Right. Especially, especially with, with, uh, with Leon and, and, and Malik in the scene where Malik and the other guys come over to Leon, I, I should say David Ruffin's house and I'm there. Um, that was fun. Oh, you know, I, you did some comedy too, didn't you? We talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, what was your, what was some of the comedy that you did early on? Well, I loved like one of my early jobs. I, I recurred as Queen Latifah's boyfriend on living single. Um, and we, it was like dueling boyfriends. The other boyfriend was a guy named Cress Williams who now plays black lightning. Uh, And, and so we were both vying for Khadijah's attention. Um, And that was a lot of fun. And working on the Parkers with Monique. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the funniest women you will ever meet. Really? (laughs) Oh, anywhere, anytime. So like on camera and off camera? (laughs) All the time. All the time. So just being around Monique was like a joy and hilarious. And she just made me laugh in the scenes. (laughs) In a good way. You know what I mean? Because I was supposed to be this kind of charming... um, club owner okay. uh, and so I it was okay for me to find her funny like that was part of the the, the love affair right it's right like, she's entertaining you know what yeah I mean? so the same way like Desi Arnaz would find Lucille Ball funny you know and that's right. what he loves about her yeah that's how I looked at it you know what I mean obviously I wasn't Desi on the show but I was for a couple of seasons I would you know I was yeah you know, for her yeah okay what um this is a good question what one moment um, while you were working taught you the most um, as an actor? What one moment? You know, maybe sometimes it's just about going back to the beginning. I think when I first was on The Young and the Restless, I was in a subtle way, it was still professional it was it was good it kind of goes back to what you were saying before about can anybody act um but i think i was a little more self-conscious than i should have been of what i was doing Mm. with my voice with my face with my mannerisms Mm -hmm. and the great thing about soap operas at that time or at any time is that they come on every day so i started very quickly within a couple of months seeing my work on television yeah and I started looking at it and saying, that's not like Robert De Niro. That's not, that's not like Denzel Washington. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you need to you need to get your stuff together, bro. Yeah. Uh, so I think that seeing myself on camera a lot in a drama, in a drama, yeah. even though it's a soap opera, 
um, and might not be considered, you know, like, oh, the greatest movie of all time. It was still like dramatic acting, high stakes, dramatic acting mm -hmm. on what I thought was the best soap opera on television. Um, the Young and the Restless with the yeah. best cast and the best directors and the best cameramen. Like I, I really, to this day, believe that we were doing the best work in daytime. Um, and so watching myself on camera in that first year, mm -hmm. first couple of months, I learned a lot yeah. about how to act on camera as someone who came from the theater right. in New York. Um, that was that was something I learned definitely. So when did you come to LA? Um, I graduated from college and I was in New York for like two years. Mm -hmm. um, and in 94, I came and got on those shows that I was just telling you about, Living Single. Yeah. And just a f uh, few months later, I was on The Young and the Restless. What did you do uh, in music? I played guitar and saxophone. Um, you have a band? Yeah, a guitar player. Yeah, I played in like a funk band in, in college and I played in the Harvard jazz band. I was a jazz musician too. Um, and then when I came out here, I was in a blues band. Oh, nice. Guitar and um, it just, I started working a lot as an actor and became busy in that part of the business. And it just, it kind of fell away in terms of playing in bands. Um, I... I regret that I never recorded the music that I wrote. I've thought actually literally just recently about um, talking to some of my friends who are musicians and um, putting some recordings together, but- Get back in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's about all the questions I have for you. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just really intrigued with how much you do and um, I'm in awe of how much you have on your plate and you just, you smile throughout your, I mean, you know, the introduction was you're an actor, writer, teacher, father, husband, like there's so many other things like, you know, as we've gone on that you do. And I'm just, I'm really impressed. I think, uh, I think people can learn a lot from your, your classes as well. So I wanted to give that a shout out. I appreciate so, it. Yeah. So, um, so where can people find you? Um, in, in total, maybe with your, your IG or like your different plugins? Yeah. So, um, the website, um, actingtruth.com for the classes and as well on, um, IG Twitter, it's ALW acting truth on Facebook. It's acting truth. So for all of the teaching stuff, the moniker is really acting truth or ALW acting truth. Uh, personally, for my own art as an artist, and on my artist website, there is a page for the teaching also, if you were to go to it. It's just my name, adamlazarwhite.com. Okay. And my IG is uh, realadamlw. Okay. Uh, real simple. And um, that's, that's pretty much it. My name on Facebook, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm not... Uh, not huge on social media. I try to stay engaged. I know. Gotta gotta stay relevant. <laughs> I find uh, it hard. Yeah, I I enjoy it. I'm not I'm not a. I just don't. <laughs> I I do some. I do some. You know what I mean? I think yeah. I think the Instagram is 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 more the my <laughs> favorite. I like I like the visual element. Yep. yep. 
I, I look at Twitter more for like what's happening. Yeah. You know, like I look at Twitter like on Football Sunday. I look at Twitter for the news. Yeah. But I, I don't really engage on Twitter as much unless like, I don't know, it's a presidential debate and I'll start retweeting. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for hanging out with me for a good couple hours of your day. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It so was wonderful. Hang out with you. Yeah, it was really, really fun. And uh, we'll be in contact. And um, for everybody else out there, thanks for listening. Um, I want to give a big shout out to my sponsor. Um, one of them is SoCal Jet Ski. So, Adam, if you are looking for something to do on a weekday or weekend, they're open like all the time. SoCal Jet Skis in Oxnard is my my sponsor. So they, they run out jet skis and boats. Yeah, so. maybe, maybe someday, someday soon. I love yeah. I was a lifeguard when I was in uh, high school. So I love to swim. I love the ocean. Oh, nice. I played a lifeguard on TV with. <laughs> yeah, right. I bet. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. And that is it for us. So uh, have a great rest of your week, everyone.